welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. I am your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C. And joining us is the CEO of Sports One Marketing and host of the Entrepreneur Podcast, The Playbook, and is a top 100 business coach, public speaker, and three-time best-selling author, David Meltzer. David, how are you, bud? I'm amazing. It's uh, really excited to be here and help how I can. What's going on over there? Not much. I'm in Phoenix right now, going to watch the Islanders right now, so it's all good on, on President's Day. Just thank you again so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk with you about just sports and marketing and in general. Uh, David, what made you want to become an entrepreneur? Now, don't think it's something that you want to become. What I wanted was to be rich. And so as I followed that passion to buy my mom a house and a car, which was the purpose of being rich, you know, I always tell people they already know your why. It's to help somebody or something. It's focusing in on the what and the how that really distinguishes us uh, for our why. So we, you know, BS people about going, oh, I got to find my why. No, you know your why. Your why is to help somebody or help something. But your problem is you haven't been consistent enough to figure out your what and your how. The how figures out itself when the what is there and focus. So my what was I wanted to be rich. I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car uh, with that wealth. And so as I formulated the path, you know, originally to be a professional football player, that didn't work out for me. I got ran over my first play in college by Christian Nicoya. I, I remember literally thinking to myself when I'm lying on my back, the first play of my first college game, doctor, lawyer, or failure. Because That's what my mom always said. So then I wanted to be a doctor to be rich. Uh, but I hate hospitals, so learned the lesson of being more interested than interesting and starting to do research on what I wanted to do. Uh, I did research on law schools of which uh, jobs paid the most out of law school, and I found a job called an oil and gas litigator. So I went to Tulane Law School, the top maritime law school in the country that had the most graduates that went on to become oil and gas litigators. I went there specifically for that, to be rich, to buy my mom a house and a car. Ironically, because I had my what so solidified, uh, there was another opportunity besides being a litigator. I got offered a job uh, as an entrepreneur within a big, I, I call that, a, you know, to, to me, it's a Fortune 500 entrepreneur. Uh, but I got offered a, a job selling legal research online uh, instead of practicing law. Despite my mom telling me the Internet was going to be a fad, I decided to go ahead and follow that entrepreneurial journey and trust the internet was not a fad, and I was a millionaire nine months out of law school. And that's really where my entrepreneurial spirit kind of grabbed uh, hold in my life, and I opened the possibilities and the point of entry, uh, did not listen to all those people that laughed at me, scoffed at me, made fun of me because I wasn't a real lawyer and I was making a huge mistake. Uh, you know, nobody was laughing when I bought my mom a house and a car. Nobody was laughing as I made millions of dollars. They were applauding me and they were begging me to hire them. Uh, and so that's a big component, you know, in the lessons that I learned was one, you know, just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. And two, they're always going to laugh at you, scoff at you, snirk at you before they applaud you. So are you willing to stick to your what and, and enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential? That's amazing right there, David. That is absolutely amazing right there to say the very least. Uh, David, what I've. Read, I read some some stuff, and you have your own sports marketing uh, sports marketing called Sports One Marketing, and you teamed up with the great Hall of Famer Warren Moon. Uh, can you explain to us about Sports One Marketing? 
Yeah, so, you know, originally I got a job uh, running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the most notable sports agency in the world. And uh, a dream came true my very first day when I realized my office was between Jerry Maguire, Lee Steinberg, and the Hall of Fame quarterback, my hero since 1978 when he won the Rose Bowl against Michigan. Ohio State fan, my two favorite teams are always Ohio State and uh, whoever's playing Michigan. So the Huskies and Warren Moon became favorable in 1978 when I was 10 years old. Uh, so to have my office at Lee's right in between those two and then uh, through Lee and his personal uh, challenges that he had with being an alcoholic, Warren Moon and I 11 years ago spun off Sports One Marketing specifically to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, not by representing legally uh, representing uh, athletes, but instead tying together those athletes with brands, with charities in order to effectuate our dream of making money, helping people and having fun. Absolutely. You know, you talk about uh, marketing within just football and ba uh, basketball. They're the two biggest sports where you get to see the stars and the teams get notarized. The two other sports that are big, also two in, this, in the United States, are Major League Baseball and the NHL. How come and what can they do in order to market their stars better? So I, I think empowering them to understand personal brands. And there's three things that they need to look at because we're talking about personal brands that attract more people to the, the larger brands. And that's really what I call the stage theory. In that theory, number one is the power of their own signal. So regardless of their position, their stature, their success, everybody has a frequency. And what we want to do as teams, leagues, organizations is encourage each player to find their own frequency and strengthen that frequency. So there's a power of a frequency of how strong it's going to be. Then understand their spectrum. So, you know, throughout all the different personalities in the NBA, the MLB, the NFL, NHL, lacrosse, whatever it may be, there's a certain spectrum of that frequency. So once we can identify the frequency of you know, the ninth man, the fourth man, or the superstar. Once we can identify that, we can also identify those different nuances in the frequency, whether you know, they like to read, or you know, maybe they, they are you know, a CrossFit person, or you know, a different variety of spectrum issues that they now can market towards their spectrum, right? With the ability to reach 4.2 billion people and growing, it's so important to understand where am I going to start the quality content with consistency in the spectrum that best aligns with my frequency? And then finally, most importantly, is continue to practice to clarify that frequency, to create clarity, balance, and focus about your own frequency. And if they do that, you know, the key component of personal branding is quality content consistently. If they put out quality content consistently, whether they are a superstar like Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or a ninth man off the bench that you never heard of but makes $100 million a year. Equally, each of those can find their frequency and build their brand that eventually will attract more people to their team, their league, their organization, their charity, their business, and everybody wins. It's an abundant philosophy that applies to having more than enough of everything for everyone. David, the social media craze has just absolutely been unbelievable the past let's say what nine ten years since twitter came out facebook came out instagram came out during that time span uh 
Have you ever seen something like this before? There's never been anything that is even close to what we see in the last 10 years. That's because there's more data and processing in the last 10 years than in the entire 1950s that occurred in one day. So like, take for example, the Wall Street Journal has more data in one day than the entire 1950s. So for anyone to think that we've seen anything like the last decade uh, is just an ignorant statement because there's so much data, so much processing uh, that's going on, so much acceleration, ex exponential growth. Uh, some of the things that have occurred in the last 10 years, people, it surpasses their imagination, right? I know things are moving fast when reality surpasses many people's imagination. You know, autonomous cars, for example. You know, I saw a guy sleeping in his car, driving past me. I just have to tell you, 10 years ago, I thought that would be impossible. Uh, you know, there's certain things that we do free, you know, and utilize for free that is an extraordinary feat. Um, you know, robotics that I saw at CES, far surpassed my imagination from 10 years ago, which I can understand because in 1999, 20 years ago, when I was CEO of the world's first smartphone, uh, and I told people, it was a Windows CE device manufactured by Samsung, I told people, in full color, in full duplex, you will be able to speak in person by, via video for free. You will be able to do this from this device in your hand. And most people looked at me as crazy as I would have looked at somebody 10 years ago that said, you know, there'll be cars driving by themselves uh, in 10 years. Well, that's the type of acceleration and growth that we have to determine. Look, traditional marketing and media, in person, on the phone, via email, radio, print, and TV have all existed in the last 10 years. Social media has provided three things that really create the acceleration and exponential growth. One, a multiple, a multiple way of capturing it, right? This thing right here, you know, is more powerful than huge digital cameras that existed 10 years ago. So right. we capture things at an extraordinary rate for very little price, very little price. Two, amplification. Never before have we seen in marketing or media the amplification that's possible. You could take a middle-aged mutant turtle like David Meltzer, who was only known as Lee Steinberg's guy or Warren Moon's partner, and build a brand that's bigger than Warren Moon, bigger than Troy Eggman, bigger than Evander Holyfield, with much more power to monetize it as well. So that amplification possibility is incredible. And then finally, the um, perpetuation. You know, never before have we had the storage and memory in order to perpetuate multiple contents of terabytes of videos where David Meltzer has his own channel that will be there for affinity. And we can monetize that. Every video I did when I first started three Super Bowls ago is getting more views today than it got three years ago when I posted it. So perpetuation of content and of media and of memory, those are the three areas that really have made the difference and will make the difference in sports marketing. Now, another it, league that just started up, the XFL. Vince McMahon trying to reboot the XFL. He tried it back in 2001. It didn't work out for him. Um, in your mind, will the XFL succeed? No, it won't. And it, the ego will edge goodness out or edge gold out. It'll edge all of this out of your life and that, you know, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you can raise the frequency of the content, right? Remember what I started with, consistent 
quality content. The problem with the XFL is it's not quality content. It's a lower frequency. Everybody recognizes it's a lower frequency compared to the NFL. You don't have the type of play. You don't have the type of players. Although you have alternative rules, that takes consistency in order for people to create the adaptable acceptance to those rules. Most people resist new things. And so it's going to take a matter of time in order to do that. You know, even Gary Vee, who's a good friend of mine and myself, most people may not like us at first, but then they learn to, right? Just like they may not like the rule changes of the XFL, but they will learn to. Right. I, the, the problem will exist. It's not that they don't have enough money to, you know, because it's the first kind of sub league that, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's lacrosse or rugby or any of the sub leagues that just keep failing. Look how long soccer has taken. Right. And it's still not there. But I'm talking 30, close to 40 years of pouring money into what now, you know, is at least a, a profitable stance, but in no way does it compete with the NFL. Uh, and that's because it was a lower frequency. The, the reason it started to be successful is once they brought Beckham over, it's like hockey being successful in America. They raised the frequency by having Wayne Gretzky, by having Beckham, you know, come over here and raise the frequency of the content. That people, it's a higher level of frequency. So until McMahon figures out how to raise the frequency, the problem with football is you can't just bring one player. They can't, you know, USFL tried that with Steve Young, which was, you know, Lee's client. You know, I think two years ago, Steve just finished getting paid on his contract from the USFL because it was a guaranteed wow. contract for a ton of money. But yeah. think about it, man. This is about frequency. And the reason the UFC succeeded uh, you know, even though they lost $40 million in the first few years was they had the money, but they also had a higher frequency, right? That Forrest Griffin fight was like none other. It equaled the frequency of any Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Oscar De La Hoya fight of all time. And now today they use those fighters to raise the frequency of boxing and people pay the money as you see, you know, with Mayweather and Conor McGregor. So frequency is the key to any success that you're going to have with new content in sports. I got to ask you, Good question, bro. Okay. Steve Cohen and the Mets, it didn't work out for them. Do you see yourself with a group of investors going out there and buy? I know you own a professional esports team, but will it one day evolve into an actual professional sports team for you? Um, I hope so. Uh, I really do. I talked to my son about it. We, you know, I believe in manifesting things, and there's more than one way to own a team. You know, who knows, my son may marry Spanos's granddaughter and I'll end up owning uh, part of the Chargers and bring those guys back to San Diego. You never know what you can do in the universe. There's many points of entry, uh, but I would absolutely, and you know, my objectives of what I want in my life, I would love to own a traditional sports team, a part of a traditional sports team. Uh, although I will tell you that, you know, I have a, an Al Davis type of feeling uh, when I invested in uh, Overactive Media, which was Splice, you know, with Meta World Peace and Marcus Colston and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all those guys at First Serve par Partners that begged me to come in. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And they're like, it's a good deal. I'm like, this is a lot of money. This, you know, I don't see the valuation. Now it's 10 times the valuation of when I invested in. It'll be 10 times more the next time they raise money. So I'm very excited about both traditional and esport type of ownership. How do you feel about the esports right now? Oh, it's a great equalizer. I think 
we haven't even seen. You know, it's so hard to fathom. You were talking about Twitter 10 years ago. It was so hard to fathom when people were telling you, you haven't even seen what this social media thing can do. You have not seen what the great equalizer of esports is. Remember, esports is a category like sports. It's not, when you say esports, it's not like saying NFL. So remember the size, scope, and scale of what we're talking about. You have the NFL is a sport under, it's a type of sport under sports. Esport, right? So then you have all these different games, which are just like the NFL. You know, League of Legends is like the NFL. It's its own, it's its own league, right? People don't, I think, grasp that when League of Legends has more people watching their championship than the NBA Finals, uh, that's significant, and it's only going to grow. No other sport in the world has grown so fast and been monetized in such a capacity so quickly. Most uh, leagues and sports take decades in order to get to the point where the esports has gotten. David, forecasting right now within the next 10 years, all right? Well, everybody says five-year plan. What's going to happen five years? Let's go 10 years. What will happen in 10 years in, in sports and in social media and even cord cutting for that matter? Uh, what, what, what's it going to be like? So ubiquity, right? So gambling has a big part to do with the ubiquity of sports. The ubiquity of sports is being able to access anywhere, anytime, real time, uh, the activity, let's just call it an activity uh, that you want to witness. And it doesn't just spin off onto, you know, professional. It's the ability to ubiquitous, ubiquitously change positions of where I'm sitting at my son's baseball game and be able to, you know, through technology, ubiquitous technology, imagine if I could stand behind my son when he's playing second base, when he's doing his travel ball tournament this weekend and communicate with him if I want, or as a coach, stand behind him and communicate or just be able to be there with him and experience it with him without talking to him. There, you know, people don't understand or even gamble on, you know, ridiculous things real time. So, the ubiquity of sports is what you'll see in the next 10 years. Uh, I think it will change the face of how we interact. Uh, you know, less and less we'll use big screens because the ubiquity of utilizing projection, holographs, and other ways of experiential, uh, all, the, all the senses that we utilize are going to change dynamically uh, the monetization in the experiential way. I mean, Super Bowl... You know, there'll still be people that will sit there, but even when you're sitting there, you'll have every seat in the house, not one seat in the house. You'll be able to move seats virtually so that as the play moves down the field, so will your seat move down the field, but yet you're still experiencing it with your son, grandson, uh, granddaughter, grand, you know, all your family could be with you. There's just a variety of things that if people don't really look at technology, they're going to miss the boat in the next decade. One final question for you, David, okay? Um, you look at the Houston Astros right now with what they're going through, okay? With this whole cheating saga, we don't know what the Red Sox are going to go through. They're going to be coming out with their, MLB is going to come out with their ruling next week. You being an esports owner and probably being a future owner of a pro sports franchise, how, how would you feel if you were in that situation right now as other owners, you know, looking at, you know, what happened with the Astros? In that sense, you know, it's it's so interesting because traditionally in sports, there's been cheating, right? And the cheating has 
uh, almost been condoned, right? It's been accepted. So, you know, look at steroid use uh, within MLB, right? The greatest farce of steroid use is that everybody didn't know what was going on. Come on, anybody sitting in a locker room could tell what was going on. Go sit in the Oakland A's locker room and look at the body types and back knee that was going on. You know, there was no other explanation right. for what we were witnessing. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're talking about doctors and trainers and coaches that are around baseball, I was just a student of the game in the locker room going, you know, Roy Monster. Well, you know, to condemn the players for participating in what they already had been you know, almost socially accepted to do uh, is is very difficult because in the end you end up hurting the game and the players. You know, stealing signs has been around forever from the beginning of the game. It's mm-hmm. part part of the game. You know, to say that you know because they use technology to steal signs, uh, you know, is hypocritical. Uh, you've got to. What, what, what these leagues need to do, and as an owner, what, what, what I would do in, 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 within the sports as well, is that every year, let's look and see what types of cheating is, is going on, and then let's make the rules going forward. Right? You cannot punish people for, for the past of these questionable rules and say, well, you should have known. I know, you, you know there's no jaywalking, but you can't walk halfway across the street and come back. Right? Well, from now on, if you're caught jaywalking in Major League Baseball, you know, starting today, now that you know, this is what's going to happen. You know, I really, I, it's it's a shame that, you know, it wasn't fair for the Dodgers and wasn't fair for other teams, you know. But to be honest, uh, they've accepted stealing signs, right? If not, they should have created, they should have created a rule saying, hey, if you're caught trying to steal signs, then this is what would happen to you, right? They didn't say technology-wise. They've been trying to steal it forever. So I think there, there has to be a more management of expectations of rules. Uh, they won't listen to me, uh, but this is just my personal opinion of how I would run things. I'm a very proactive, present person. I don't stumble on the roadblocks behind me. I don't have resentment, offense, or, or, or even anger towards those people that do things in the past. Right. David... What do many people look at you as the as an entrepreneur? But outside of uh, being an entrepreneur, what do what does one uh, what does one thing that people don't know about you? You know, pr- probably that um, I would say you know, there's so much out there about me. I think more on the transformational leadership side that you know I'm a a member of the Transformational Leadership Council with people like Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor and Blaine Bartlett and Cynthia Kersey and really uh, creating systems and solutions to transform people's mindset. You know, that's, I think, the secret sauce of, you know, why I'm a top business coach in the world is that I use a lot of mindset and transformational thought of, you know, very simple values of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. So, uh, I call myself a ferocious Buddha. <laughs> I'm very spiritual, but you know I'm a ferocious business person that you know am a compassionate capitalist. I have a blend and a nuance to me that most people don't understand. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I think they see a very driven person, but I do it through allowance, not through control. Awesome, man. Awesome, David. How do the people follow you on social media and around around the internet, every, everywhere? Yeah, I appreciate that. In fact. You know, I always love feedback. So if you want to text me your number one takeaway, 
My text number is 949-298-2905. That's 949-298-2905. I'd love to see your greatest takeaway from this interview. But otherwise, follow me at David Meltzer. Use David Meltzer. My email, I mean, sorry, my website is dmeltzer, first initial last name. That's because the guy who owns David Meltzer won't give it up. He's a financial planner that's retired. So uh, hopefully someday will. If you look up Dave Meltzer, you're going to get the wrestling guy. So make sure it's David Meltzer. I appreciate it, man. Take care. And this is a great show. I appreciate the opportunity. David, thank you so much for sacrificing some of your time to come on our show. It means a lot, man. Thank you again. You're always welcome back on. Thank you so much.